we stand on solid ground. So, Father, for every prayer that's been prayed this morning, for every situation that's been discussed, for every challenge that we face, we are choosing this morning to stand on you who are solid ground. Amen? Amen. Always dangerous to get people to talk to each other partway through. Thank you, guys. There's seats dotted around. Those of you standing at the back who want to come and take a seat. Really special welcome for our lovely visitors today. Good to have you all here. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Andrea. I'm the associate pastor here. And it's a real joy to be speaking on a, a very special day for uh, Rich and Eva and Sophia and Joshua. And um, it's, gosh, it's been several years now since they've been in the church. And I've been leading worship alongside Rich for a long time. And it's just such a joy to just see God working in his life and the life of his family. So thank you, God, for who you are and what you're doing. Well, um, a couple of weeks ago when Ben asked me to speak, um, we're starting a new series next week, which meant I had a bit of a free reign, which is always exciting. And uh, almost straight away, I felt the Lord say to me, Jacob's well. I thought, hmm, interesting, Jacob's well. Okay, well, I knew one particular story in the Bible where Jacob's well was featured. So that's in John chapter 4. So all my scriptures will come up on slides, but if you do have Bibles with you, um, that's going to be um, towards the end of my talk, the root of my text. So John chapter 4, let's just read the first few verses. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, though in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I read something like that, it always makes me want to go back and see, oh, okay, this is interesting. Where is this? Where does this come? Um, let, let me remind myself a bit about Jacob. What, what's the story here? Because, you know, the Bible is one book, isn't it? It's one book. It's got lots of authors. It's got lots of different accounts of things going on. There's poetry. There's history. There's all sorts of things. But we are looking at one book start to end. And I know you're not going to be able to see that very well. But trust me, that is a great graphic. And it will be put on our um, website. But that is kind of the whole story of the Bible from beginning to end. And I love to go back and see the root of things because there's such a lot we can learn from going back and saying, okay, so where's this place? Who's this person? How does this link through to the story of Jesus? How does this help us in our understanding of God's salvation work? So Jacob comes about here in the story. So if I just zoom us in, I think you can probably see that there. Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, right the way through to Joshua um, here in this little snippet. And I thought, I've got to get a bit in on Joshua this morning, surely. 
Um, and as I looked at this particular story, I found three stories, both before and after Jacob, which all deal with this particular place. And in the Old Testament, Sychar was actually known as Shechem. Um, obviously, over time, places changed their name. There's some debate amongst historians if it's in right in the vicinity of Shechem or is it another name for Shechem itself. But we know that it's Shechem. We know that that's where um, this well was originally built. So as I was thinking about this well, I wanted us to just remind us of some of the other stories around this place this place where Jesus comes, because there's some quite significant things that happen, which I think help us understand a bit more about Jacob's well and what happens when Jesus comes to it. So the first story that I want to take us to is the story of Abraham, who at this time is known as Abram. And Abram is the father of the nation of Israel. He's the father of faith for us all, in fact. And we read right at the beginning of Genesis, this is in chapter 12, Abraham at this time, he, so other scriptures tell us, is worshiping other gods. He doesn't know this God, but God comes to him and speaks to him and gives him this amazing promise. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What a promise. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. That's his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Anybody 75 here? You never know what the God might call you to do. He took his wife, his nephew, and all the possessions they'd accumulated and the people they'd acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. Here we are to this place. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So here in this place where Jesus comes to, this is where Abram arrives and worships God because of the great promise he has given him to bless him and to give him that land. Not then at that point in time, there's a lot of the story to go. But he will give him that land and through him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So for Abram, it's a place of promise. It's a place of promise. So our story moves on. Um, through Abraham, Isaac is born. And through Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau, twin boys are born. And here we see trouble. We see quite a bit of challenge. And I love the story of Jacob. I've spoken on Jacob before. And uh, there's lots I could say about the story of Jacob. But I'm just going to give you a few snippets to set our story today in context. So Jacob and Esau are twins. But even when Re uh, Rebecca is pregnant, they're jostling within her. And the Lord tells her that the older will serve the younger. 
which is not how it usually was in those times. But Jacob, whose name means deceiver, lives up to his name quite a lot. And his whole story is full of trouble and anxiety and challenge with people and upset. He persuades Esau, his brother, to sell him his birthright. He deceives his father into thinking that he's Esau, disguises himself, and receives the blessing that should have come to Esau. Then Esau is not very happy, understandably, and flees. Um, he goes to his uncle Laban, and then he's deceived himself into marrying the wrong sister. Very interesting story. He does then go on to marry the one he wants to marry. But there's all sorts of deception here in how he cultivates his flocks. He leaves again, and then he has an encounter with God, and that changes him. And Jacob realizes that in order to move on, he has to deal with his past. He has to deal with all the stuff that's going on. And more importantly, he has to confront and settle things with his brother Esau. And so this is what we read. He goes to see him and he has no idea if he's going to be attacked or killed or anything. And this is what we read from Genesis 33. Jacob looked up and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children amongst Leah, Rachel, those are his two wives, and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. After Jacob came from Padamaram, he arrived safely at the city of Shechem in Canaan and camped within sight of the city. For a hundred pieces of silver he bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, the plot of ground where he pitched his tent. There he set up an altar and called it El Halway Israel, which means mighty is the God of Israel. So here we are again at this point, at this place. And again, another altar is built in dedication to the Lord. And here for Jacob, this is a place of peace. This is a place where he settles. And this, at this point, is where we understand, understand that he built the well. It doesn't actually specifically tell us that, but we know he settled in this land. And in order to do that, he would have had to have built a well. So that is where this story comes from. An astounding kind of um, thousands almost of years later that that well that Jacob built there is still holds that significance for the time when Jesus is there. So it's a place of promise, and it's a place of peace. So we move on to Joshua. And I'm going to give you the quickest summary ever of uh, the last couple of books in the Bible. So Jacob has 12 sons, including Joseph, who we know of, who becomes a ruler in Egypt. The Israelites are made slaves in Egypt, so God rescues them, and he sends Moses to deliver them. And that's where we read the amazing stories of all the plagues and all the things that God does. And God makes a covenant with the people of Israel, and he promises them this land, this land where we are, this land of promise, this land that's a place of peace. But the Israelites are disobedient to God, and they wander in the desert for 40 years. But God raises up Joshua. He raises up a Joshua. 
who will bring them into the land that was promised to them hundreds of years from the first promise to Abram. So what happens? Let's read. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And here we get a little recap of the story I've just mentioned. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the river Euphrates and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him through Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians, but, but what I did there, and I brought you out. It goes on, so I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And Joshua then encourages the people, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the river Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served or the gods of the Amorite in, the ha in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And for Joshua, this place is a place of purpose. This is a place where he purposes in his heart that he is going to follow wholeheartedly after God. And that is what Rich and Eva have said today, isn't it? As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's what they've purposed in their hearts to do. So we have a place of promise, we have a place of peace, and we have a place of purpose. And it's to there that Jesus comes, a place that holds huge history for the whole nation in terms of the promise of God. And the people are waiting for the salvation of God to come because they are not living in the fullness of that promise. They are not experiencing peace at that time. And their lives are waiting without purpose until the Messiah comes. And it's to that place that Jesus comes. So rather than me read the story to you, um, we're actually going to watch it on the video. So um, if we could just draw the uh, curtains at the front, and uh, we're just going to run a little clip of the story for you to see. the end there, but I hope you still heard the story. It's a precious story, isn't it? One that we have heard many, many times. But you know, Jesus is the promise. Jesus is the promise. 
He is the one who they've been waiting for. And he is the fulfillment of the promise given to Abraham. He is the one through whom the whole earth will be blessed. And we are here today as testimony to that, aren't we? Living in the blessing of God because the promised one has come to us. As Anne will celebrate her 32nd birthday tomorrow, I was thinking to myself, how old am I in my Christian terms? I think I'm 29. Um, But Jesus, we know, is the promise. And not only is the promise, he makes the most tremendous promise in this story. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become within them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That is the promise that Jesus brings. He brings the promise of eternal life. That is the hope we have. That is the hope that we can know in Jesus. In the previous chapter, Jesus said these very, very famous words, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Hallelujah. That is our promise, isn't it? That is what we can know. I, um, in the last couple of weeks, I've been to two funerals, about a week apart from each other. And one was a glorious celebration and testimony, full of hope and encouragement, and the joy of knowing that you'll see someone again, that they will receive a well done, a well done good and faithful servant, and that you'll see them again. And then the one the following week was just a nice service. And I, I don't know what hope the person had. And there certainly wasn't very much hope in the room. And it made me so desperately sad because there is a promise for all of us that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. And that is our hope, isn't it? And that is the hope that we need to build our lives upon. And not just eternal life, but he promises to sustain us. It's not just about what happens when we die. A couple of chapters on, in John chapter 7, Jesus says, On the last and greatest day of the feast, he stands and says in a loud voice, everybody listening, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. That river of living water is God's promise to us. That's what he's talking about as he talks with the woman at the well, that he can receive that life-giving water. Do you know, are we thirsty? Are we thirsty? Are we wanting more of God's spirit flowing within us? Are we every day celebrating in the joy and the peace and the love that flows within us if we believe in Jesus? Because that's the promise. We need to receive his Holy Spirit. We need to receive that life-giving spirit. And we need to drink from him. You know, there are so many other things that can pretend to offer us to quench our thirst, aren't there? And the world would want to tempt us in lots of different ways. I, um, I came across this scripture that I was reading yesterday in Jeremiah where the Lord says, 
My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. If we're trying to get our thirst quenched from things of the world, we're very soon going to be thirsty again. But what Jesus promises us will never, never run out. So this is the promise in a place of promise. And it's also a place of peace. And uh, I find the woman in this story really quite interesting. Um, one of the first things that we see is that it's noon when she comes to draw water. And she comes on her own. And there's a really interesting little scripture in uh, Genesis that refers to a time, this is to do with Isaac, uh, Jacob's father, and it talks about evening, the time the women go to draw water. And if you think about it, why would you go in the middle of the day when it's baking hot to draw water? And you can imagine, can't you, all the women going together, it'd be a sociable thing that they would do. And yet this woman we see, she goes on her own in the middle of the day. And I wonder if it's because really she isn't that comfortable being with others. I wonder if maybe the five husbands and living with someone who isn't her husband has maybe given her a bit of a reputation. But I love how Jesus doesn't judge or condemn her, but he uses that to speak to her. And from that, she is astounded. And there are lots of things that he could have said to her about herself, but he uses that. And from that, she then goes back and she's speaking to everybody, isn't she? And they're all coming to know Jesus. It says many of the Samaritans believed in him because of her testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. That insight, that word has made a difference for her. But you know, we all have pasts. We all have stuff that we're not proud of. We all have situations and things that we've been through that we really rather would not. But you know, in Jesus, we can know peace. In Jesus, we can be set free from those things. And they cannot be a baggage that we continually carry around from us. Because Jesus takes away our guilt and our shame. And we can know peace with God through him. And I hope that that woman came to know peace with God through him, a place of promise and a place of peace with the Prince of Peace who can give peace to us. It's interesting that she leaves her water jar behind and runs on to tell everybody else. And you know, I think for some of us today, we need to leave our past behind and we need to move on into what God has for us because the truth is, is that Jesus has paid the price for all those mistakes all those things we did wrong. For the five husbands and the one who isn't the husband, he paid the price. And we can know freedom and peace because of that. Hallelujah. And the other thing that we find in this story is purpose. If you are feeling that your life is lacking a bit of purpose, if things are feeling a bit mundane and day-to-day, then here is a real challenge. Because here, Jesus tells us what our purpose is. Because the Father is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And that is a call on all of our lives. 
You know, we were made to worship God. Each one of us, we were made to worship him. In Peter, it says that we are to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his glorious light. There's something within each one of us to worship that wants to worship. And people worship all sorts of different things. People worship football and people worship money and people worship food and people worship their spouses. You see it all the time. There's something within us that wants to do that. But God is looking for those who will worship him. And as, gosh, as we sang that song about every blessing that he pours out, we turn back to praise. As we worship him, he blesses us so much. And that is our purpose. That is our purpose here, to worship God. And that will look different for each one of us. But our lives are to be that worship offering to him, aren't they? It's not about singing the songs. That's part of it. But it's our whole lives as a worship offering to Jesus. So a place of promise, peace, and purpose. And in these places, Abraham and Jacob built altars to God. Joshua and the community of Israel dedicated themselves afresh to God. So this morning, we're going to have a bit of time for us to do business with God ourselves. I don't know if any of those things have resonated with you, but today, if you have not received that promise of eternal life, then today is the day of salvation. If you don't know what's going to happen to you when you are no longer on this earth, then whoever believes in the Son will have eternal life. That's the promise that Jesus makes. So if you don't know that, if you don't have that peace, then I want to encourage you this morning to make that decision to say yes to Jesus, to accept him, to understand that he died for you in your place, that all your sin and sorrow and sickness, all your past was crucified with him on that cross, and you can know the joy of eternal life. Or maybe this morning, you just need refreshing. Maybe you need to experience that living water. Maybe things have got a bit dry and a bit tired. So this morning, Jesus says, come. Come to the water. Come to the water. Come and experience that living water. Or maybe... There are things in your past that you are still carrying around with you and you don't feel peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace and I just feel today might be an opportunity for some to just recognize where there's stuff that is still weighing them down, they're still carrying guilt or shame and they need to just come and give it to Jesus who paid the price and know that peace. And then finally, purpose. Do you need to put God first in your life? Has he slipped down the list? Can you agree with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? And maybe that means making some changes. Maybe you need a fresh vision in your life. Maybe things have just got a bit samey. And you want to take an opportunity to say, God, I want you to use me. Because the Father's looking for those who worship him in spirit and truth. He's looking for them. He's looking for you. And this morning, maybe there's something fresh he wants to give you.
So if I can ask us all to stand and ask the band to uh, come back up and lead us in a song. I'd like the ministry team to be available to pray for people, but you might actually not need people to pray for you this morning. But I want to encourage you that if you are responding to any of these things this morning, to come out, to come, to take that step, to come. And Sally, I understand you also have some words.